My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ProBible.com. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you could find writing about video games over at comicbook.com. We also have our dear, dear friend, Brandon Katz, who you could find analyzing analytics over at Parrot Analytics. Fellas, it's been some time. It's officially summer, kind of. Memorial Day weekend is around the corner. It's been some time since we've been on the mic, so last time we talked to you all was for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which largely has not quite fixed, but rerouted the MCU. Today, we are going to be talking about Barry. We're going to be talking about Succession. But first, Kate is the only one of the three of us who has seen Fast X. Uh, th- the $300 million Fast <laughs> X, might I add. Now, B, what do your number crunching say about a $300 million film is that a good bet i mean listen it's an open secret based on how much profit participation for the talent uh at this point in in a 20-year franchise that universal it's not really a huge money maker for them yes it obviously resonates you mean fast is not the the, the fast movies are really not huge money makers they you know they've been dipping domestically for several films uh you keep a smaller percentage of overseas box office than you do domestic and like i said like they have to split so much money with the with the creative talent that at this point it's really just kind of a you know a a brand lift as, as opposed to a straight profit maker okay the movie itself uh i will say post paul walker's death is probably the best one they've made i think there's like a pretty like clear drop off in quality since he passed away um i don't know if there's any direct connection with that but um it's it's a fun movie it's very self-aware it kind of goes a little too far at the very end like the last like five minutes of this movie is the stupidest shit i've ever seen like even for this franchise it's ridiculous i've seen the movie twice now by the way uh don't why? ask why don't ask why um <laughs> Wait, b b do you care about this film at all no not in this slightest. okay major spoiler warning major spoiler warning kate is about to tell me and b what he's talking about <laughs> i'm super curious so if you have not seen fast x and care about the ending skip ahead kate how long do you think it will take you to talk about it a minute and a half at most. Minute? Probably. All right. Skip ahead two minutes from now. All right. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for Fast X. Kate, go. Hey, y'all. It's Eric with just a quick production note. Our conversation about Fast X lasted a little longer than we thought it would. So if you want to skip that and not hear any spoilers, skip ahead to around the six minute mark. Again, skip ahead to the six minute mark if you want to avoid spoilers for Fast X. So. At the end of Fast X, the whole movie is Jason Momoa. He's very upset because Vin Diesel and The Rock killed his dad. Fast very upset. Very upset. So he's like, I'm going to make Vin Diesel suffer the whole movie. He's doing the whole Ethan Hunt thing where he's like, you can't save everyone, but like family is your weakness. Like they really lean into like family is his weakness. The whole meme. I've seen people. So now you've compared this to the MI films. I've seen it compared to the Dark Knight and Avengers Infinity War. In some ways. Structure. Yeah. (laughs) So... That that's the whole like premise, and at the end of the movie, uh, the Jason Momoa captures Vin Diesel's son. Vin Diesel gets him back. John Cena, Vin Diesel's brother, dies trying to protect both of them, which is crazy in and of itself. And even though he's been a villain for like twenty years within the Fast and Furious timeline, John's yeah. yes, yes, yeah, in the timeline. Uh, Dom's brother, so, just to make sure that we're yes. all clear on that. So now. Uh, at the end of the movie, Vin Diesel is in his Dodge Charger or whatever with his son, 
and they're on top of a dam and there are two semi trucks rigged to blow and Jason Momoa is driving them at Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel drives his car off the dam while it's exploding. The car is engulfed in flames and he hits the nitrous boost on his car and like zooms out of the flames like in the most ridiculous looking way I've I've ever seen. It's just absurd. And they get to the bottom of the dam. They're okay. The car's destroyed. Vin Diesel hug, hugs his son and Jason Momoa is like, "All right, now you can die." And he detonates the dam. Cut to black. We are now in Antarctica, which goes back to somewhere else in the uh, uh Vin Diesel's wife is in Ready? in yeah, she's in prison the whole movie. Wait, Smash wait. Cut 2, the North Pole, yeah. Gritty Santa, and now it's a crossover with uh whatever the fuck that Santa movie that just came Violet out was at Santa or uh whatever yeah wait 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 is she in prison in antarctica yes she's in a black site prison with Charlize theron's character in antarctica they escape and have no way out and then a submarine the submarine from fast eight comes out of the ice wow so a cameo appearance for a physical object not just that guess who's driving it gal Gal gadot yeah (laughs) and she comes out and she's like hey guys i'm here and then the movie ends and then there's a post-credit scene where The Rock is in, uh, in, like questioned by Jason Momoa, and he's like, "I'm back." Uh, and so, yeah, um, I will say, I don't get it. I'm. I think the next one has potential to be like really fun and like pretty solid ending. I do not want them to do a third one. I think they need to pump the brakes quite literally. You know, this reminds me of being at lunch in school with my friends when we would talk about South Park, and sometimes I found. Shooting the shit about South Park with my friends was more fun and humorous than actually watching the show. And like you describing Fast X to me is probably more fun than I would have actually watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very strange movie. There's one scene where the, uh, oh my God, Ludacris and uh, Tyrese. what's his name? Tyrese and that group of characters in Han go to a shop in London and Pete Davidson is working there as a like computer hacker guy. <laughs> and there is no purpose for the scene in the movie at all. It, it feels like there's like a bunch of things. Tyrese and Ludacris start fighting for no reason. Han eats an edible muffin, like a laced muffin. He gets high, but it doesn't matter 30 seconds later. He's high for like 10 seconds and it doesn't matter. And then Tyrese <laughs> throws like pocket sand into the air for no reason. And you think that's going to come back later? Like he's going to like I think I've heard about this actually. He's going to like, you know, like be in a tricky situation and throw the sand at somebody never comes back. It is the weirdest thing. That it's a very strange movie. So, I, I got to stop. We got to stop with these movies. I know it's probably too hard for you to rank them off the dome, but would yeah. you consider it in the top half? <sighs> I'd say like right under that half. Mark. Okay. Like All right. if, so if there's 10, so like 6. Number 6. And then I just kind of want to talk about, and again, spoiler warning, kind of, but this has already been in the world. I want to talk about sort of the memedom and the jokes around Gal Gadot and The Rock coming back to this film. Is that like, you got to think that them and their massive teams of agents and PR, like they must have known the way that this would play, right? Or if not, then they should all be fired. For their careers? I'm just saying, like... Are they both at that stage where they have to weather the storm of being like, wow, oh, the old, the old Thanos, coming, you, you, you couldn't live with your failures. Yeah. And where did that bring you? 
back to me. Like how, like, I'm just, are they both at that point where they had to eat that because they need the role? Yeah. Like Gal Gadot feels less like she's crawling back. Cause like, she didn't have like a big falling out with Vin Diesel, like the rock did. Right. Like her character quote unquote died and is now coming back. So it's okay. And she, her Wonder Woman movies, like she wasn't out here being, I'm going to change DC. It's less embarrassing for her more so for the rock. In my yeah. Opinion. B I, you know, at the end of the day, they could still get a movie greenlit. It doesn't matter that that movie would probably be crap or whatever. Like, yeah, but the last have... one that they made is thought of thought of as one of the worst films of the last five years. I, I know, but at the end of the day, it's like they can get top billing, top billing salaries anywhere they want. They don't have to come back to the Fast and Furious. I understand like the boost that it, it gives them, but you know, I, I just don't care. I just don't give a shit because this <laughs> franchise is absurd, and I don't care. B, what's the last one that you've seen? I, I saw Fast Nine. And I thought it was horrible. And I, <laughs> and I, I don't think I ever bad. saw Fate of the Furious. I don't know. I think I've seen Furious 7 through the Wiz Khalifa music video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. All right. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking Barry and Succession. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, season four of Barry, we are looking down the barrel of the series finale of the show. Bill Hader has altered the shit out of this. He directed all eight episodes of the final season. We all watch it. I'm kind of curious in talking about what the show's become and what it was. And I know that this is sort of like Breaking Bad, right? So at the time, it was they would go around telling everyone that this show is about the study of change, and they had never taken a TV character and started him good and made him bad. That was 15 years ago. TV has changed a lot. So a character changing over the course of a show isn't all that strange. What I do think is strange is the tonal shift of this. Not strange, but stark yeah. is the tonal shift of this show. We're now getting avant-garde horror scenes that unless they do it in the series finale are largely going unexplained, which is a bold choice. So I'm curious, are you enjoying Barry right now in the simplest sense of the term? It's one thing to appreciate and respect something. I know that we all feel that way about this show, but are you enjoying this new, almost um, milk toast Ari Oster gonzo horror version of the show versus what it once was which was a wrap your head around a bowl hey hitman tries to get his life straight type show yeah it's it's interesting like the uh i think the show has always had a level of darkness in it i mean like i think the first season ends with him killing that's why i'm talking more like specifically about its style and it's just it's sheer tone sure yeah Yeah. where it's uh, not like a horror Right. Yeah, there, there, like, there are some really, truly terrifying moments, like when the cop takes his sunglasses off and his eyes bleeding. That's like, oh my god, that's terrifying. And um, I, I've seen Bill Hader kind of talk about what all of that is. Not necessarily that moment, but the moment in the episode before where Sally is in her house and there's a man following her around, 
he's like, that's a manifestation of her guilt and all this kind of stuff. And so, and if you do watch like all of that horror stuff is through Sally, there's never really any of that with Bill Hader's character. Uh, at least nothing to the level that it's, it is with Sally. But I think it elevates it when it involves the physical world and tears up her house. Yes, uh, it is. Like that is if they don't explain effective. it, that's like supernatural esque. Yes, and I, I think that's the reason why she left uh, her home with John and, and was like, because that did not seem like it was in her head uh, necessarily. Um, it, she left her home because she wanted to. She didn't feel safe for a variety of reasons, and now she's in an equally unsafe situation. It's almost like you know she was worried that someone was coming to hurt her or capture her and now she has made that come true at the end of this most recent episode um so yeah it's it's a it's an interesting tone and it it is very different i do find it still very funny show like when they shoot the fucking rocket at the mansion and it just zooms right back hilarious looney tune stuff uh it still cuts out carves out room for jokes yeah but in terms of the grander sense of the show when you go go into it now it's like you take a deep breath right that Definitely. was not the case season no, one two. yeah no i mean even just watching bill bill Hader or barry uh in that chair with the goggles on and just squirming around like really pathetically and just and yes and more so than being terrified the tone of like the vocal tone of being confused almost makes it scarier right yes Yes. It, it makes sense that Bill Hader said that one of his three upcoming projects that he's debating taking on is a horror movie. Yeah. Because you can see he's got a lot of those tendencies. Uh, for me, season four is my, my least favorite of all of them. Less to do with the tonal shifts that you're talking about, more to do because I, I, I disagree with the massive time jump. I think it was uh, mm-hmm. jarring in, in a sense that disrupted the actual natural flow of, of story and character. Having said that, I still think there's still absolutely a lot. Because you lot think he should have brilliance. paid for a sin sooner? What makes you feel that I, way? I, I liked the story at hand and thought it was ramping up finally to the kind of top level eruption of all these lies and schemes and plots. And for them to just essentially sidestep what they had been building toward for three and a half seasons it was a little frustrating to me. I don't, I'm not as invested with this kind of eight years later, everyone's kind of gone. These, these different ways are now re rejoining and re, uh, reuniting under dire circumstances. Like, we just had that. And now we've yeah. just kind of elongated that in, into the, this next chapter, which I don't love, but still there's moments of brilliance like that, that with, with uh, his, his ability to stage for both comedy and drama with Noho Hank after the missile, driving down the, the thing, calling Fuchs, screaming, jumping over the uh, the cliff. Like, that's brilliant. I want to make the counterpoint of what else is he supposed to do once Barry goes to jail? Because that means he's either A, in jail, or B, on the run. Like, he kind of boxed himself in with that season three move, if you don't like the way that it's gone. Yeah, I mean, I understand it's, it's hard to write yourself out of that, but I would have actually preferred a little bit more conflict from, from Sally and Barry in, when he shows up in her apartment. Sure. I think Sally, uh, the, the actress whose name escapes me right now, has been just phenomenal, that actress. She has been one of the best performers on the show. But the character her, herself is one of the most despicable people on the series I as think well. She, I think she recently just joined the cast of season three of Industry. Interesting. Cool. Oh, nice. I, I don't watch. Which I've not watched, but yeah. Um, but so, uh, so I would have liked a little bit more. You know, see, seeing her settle for for this life and only now realize what a mistake it was, even though it was clear from the jump 
you know, I'm just like, okay, now we're just spinning our wheels on a terrible person that I, I want to see get punished. <laughs> okay. I, I, I will say the, uh, I, I, I understand it's, it's complicated because she leaves this life behind with Barry goes home and realizes my life's terrible. It's easy to find comfort in someone, even if you know they're bad for you, like just speaking grandly about relationships, you can have comfort with someone, you know, is bad for you. And it's some, for some people, it's just easier to go back to that than be in an uncomfortable situation, be alone with her parents that fucking hate her apparently. And are just super shitty people. Um, and, you know, it, it is kind of a, a very toxic relationship. I, I don't know if I would even use the word uh, abusive with Barry because he does love her. He doesn't like hit her. Well, they do. Like yeah. But they do have that one scene where he verbally abuses the that's shit right. out of her yeah. after job. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's not totally. a self-aware person. He's lying. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, in a very a- abstract sense. What? Kendall and Logan all try to tell themselves, I'm doing this for my kids. Barry could try to convince himself that he murders all these people to protect his family. The fact is he does it because he's a fucking murderer. That's the fact sure. of the matter. He's sociopath. I want to say to B's point about the sense of spinning wheels, Larry David joked to Bill Hader that he thought the show should have ended with season three. There's also been the general narrative out there that Bill Hader has been using this season to practice his sort of directorial skills. Which you- impressive. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. think that that's why season four exists? Because as I've said, he's doing bravura shit, I think. For, for again, what began, like the perception of Bill Hader when this show started yeah. and where we're at now is night and day. Yes. Yeah. But like, I still, I still prefer watching this season of Barry, which is more inconsistent to me than like 85% of what's on TV. So, you know, I, I think the fourth season's already justified itself. And I'll always, I'll always like, uh, like Kusino really, truly being exposed in his hypocrisy and selfishness, just being underlined and exclamation pointed to death in this season. I'm like, okay, that is like a natural organic comeuppance for his character arc. To our point about the sort of drastic tonal shift, have you ever seen a show have such a 180, not 180, but such a stark turn in terms of the way that the show feels and like you know you could say yes it has always had this dark core but what we're seeing this season as we have just laid out has taken it to i think an entirely new level and if you were to say well what about shows like breaking bad like that had a tonal shift i don't think so i think that that had a character shift the first episode of that show is about a man being diagnosed with cancer it was always super fucking dark if there is a legacy of the show do you think that that's it uh, the only show that I can think of, and it's similar, it's Better Call Saul, and I, I still don't even think it's great call the extre- the the same, but it is like a guy going slipping Jimmy to right. Howard Hanlon getting killed in this fucking apartment. You right. know? Yes. Like, <laughs> um, so I, I would say that that's the closest I can think of. Uh, and as for its legacy. Yeah, I, I, whether do you mean as like uh like I'm saying when you bring up Breaking Bad, it's like wow, Walter White's fall. When you bring up Thrones, it's about the sprawling world and the CGI. When you bring up these shows, they have a touch piece, yeah. a touchstone of what we are going to remember it for. I think Barry might be like the the night and day black and white in what it was and what it became at the end. I think so. I think that's probably it because it, it is it is impressive 
that it hasn't like pushed people away, right? right. It hasn't been so do. neck turning that it like bre- that it breaks your neck. Whereas yeah. the whiplash is too extreme. Because it, it has eased people into it with, you know, flashbacks to Barry's war days and some, some other things in, in the present day. And I think season three was when I started to feel like this is going in a direction that is really unnerving. Just like I remember how Bill Hader's Barry looked that season with the just his eyes oh. looked like they weren't even in his head. Like one of my last horrifying. like banger tweets was like, imagine going back 10 years ago and telling somebody that this is how Bill would turn out. And one was him as Stefan and one was him in jail with like the fucking purple beat up face. If you went back and told somebody like, Hey, that guy is going to be doing this shit. Nobody would have believed you. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Age old, you know, uh, cliche, like median's got a dark side. Yep. And he uses That's, it effectively. So how do we all think it ends for Barry? I don't want to go into specific predictions. If you have one, let it rip. But in general, like Hater doesn't strike me as someone prepared to give him a quote unquote happy ending or redemption or even life. No, no. I he's going think, to hell and he's bringing a shit ton of people with him. I think I think the darkest solution here is one of the three people that Barry loves most dies. So that's either his wife, his kid or Gene, because I think that that would be the ultimate punishment for him that despite all this killing, he still failed. I think he's going to die, too, though. I think he's going he's going to hell that 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 purgatorial kind of beach thing that we've seen and he's bringing a shit ton of people with him probably Sarah and and Cousineau as well. I think it's a really good what you just Sally. said it, even beyond that like imagine we've seen that that weird thing of like he was passed out or whatever it was like drugged and it was like walking with all those people and I don't think they were anyone specific they were just faceless people uh but imagine they get everyone Barry has killed or been responsible for the death of, and he's walking into purgatory or hell or whatever. With so pulling a uh, lost, you're saying? Honestly, yeah. And I think, it, I mean, it works better for, I've never seen the well, entirety of the lost, but from what I understand, that did not well, work. Big, <laughs> luckily for you, B is a lost expert. So <laughs> lost purgatory and everything, that that wasn't a punishment. It was kind of just like a no, way. No, I thing. know, I know, I know. Whereas this, it's, you know, much like the, the old Anakin Skywalker joke. Like if he joins the force as a ghost, there'd be a shit ton of pissed off Jedi and uh, sure. Padawans that are there to beat the shit out of him in the afterlife. Yeah. yeah. So I think that this is the ultimate question of where this show now leaves us. And it's something that I've been thinking about all season. Can Bill Hader become the next Jordan Peele? Yes. Well, he's already demonstrated that he's capable of really just amazing visuals and direction and execution and stuff. And still balance his humor because like get out is like a pretty funny movie still like the oh i would have voted obama for a third term or whatever right. it's or a hilarious third life. character played by lil race yeah. something yeah 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 so Plus like nope are hilarious and and right. uh i think bill Hader's terrifying he's it he's always said uh i was watching an interview and i think it was even before he did barry he was like i always wanted to do directing uh but right. i auditioned for saturday night live and then that happened yeah um, it might have been smartless or that maybe Conan? that's that might have been what it is yeah 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 um so i think he has the juice to be that kind of next i i do you think jordan peele has fallen off that no, star a little no bit? i think i think what he pulled off with nope even though i he's making difficult confounding films on a blockbuster yeah. scale you know how hard that is to be for people to be like that's abstract as shit i didn't like, like it but guess what i'm still on board sure yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know if Bill Hader will do the abstract for his movies. Maybe he'll. Still he be seems simple. like he's got the fucking itch, man. 
He I don't know. I mean, I, I had nothing one way and or not. And that's why I, I think more so, and that's why, because the two names I th- thought of were Peel, and then to a lesser extent, but related cousin, not so much brothers, but cousins, our boy Slick Ben Affleck. Yeah. I.e. sort of leading, broad-shouldered man. Granted, Hater comes from a more of a comedic route, clearly a smart guy, has come up through the business and can write and star and direct in his own projects but the reason i chose peel was because of his very distinct stylistic and thematic ticks i I don't know if anyone is jordan peel you know jordan peel is jordan peel but can bill Hader be a successful unique interesting uh feature film director absolutely he's absolutely shown that off uh more times than we can count throughout the history of of does he have a get out in him I, I think he has special projects in him, yeah. And I, I listen, Get Out's a very singular one. I don't know if his first feature directorial film is going to be nominated for Best Picture and win Best Original Screenplay, but I think he's clearly unbelievably creative. He's got a great blend of, of tone, and uh, he's got a knack for set pieces. So I think uh, we're, we're all going to be in store for a very interesting, fun, rewarding career as audience members from what happens next with Bill Hader. Yeah, he's been around for a long time, but he's still relatively young at 44. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see what he does next. All right, let's swing over to Succession. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, we are now chatting the final season of Succession because Cade, just like Game of Thrones, does not watch it. It is just Brandon and I on the ones and twos. B, when did you pick the show up? I want to start there. I picked it up before season three started. So I got the screeners because I was an entertainment reporter at Observer at the time. And I watched like the first episode and a half, you know, you know, month or so before it actually came out. And I was like, meh. And then, you know, about four, five, six, seven weeks into its first season, everyone on film Twitter is talking about in terms of like the critics, still not so much mainstream. Everyone's like, you know, it starts a little wobbly and a little standard and then really starts to take off and get better each week. So I was like, okay, I'll go back and, and check it out. And so I, I binged the, the rest of season one, basically. Really, really liked it. Then season two, I watched live and I thought season two was one of the best uh, seasons of television in recent memory. So I was actually going to ask this at the end, but I'm going to bring this to the top. Is Succession a Pantheon show? And I kind of want to ask this in two ways. Did you feel this way before season four or has season four led you down that path? So is it in the class of the Breaking Bads, the Mad Men's, the Wires, Sopranos, those touchstone shows? Is it not quite there? I probably think if those are the A tier, this is probably like if that's the A tier, this is probably the A minus tier. If If not more so B plus tier, that's just me. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like for me personally, I'm not going to put it in in my probably my top five, but I think if you're talking about television as a whole and particularly HBO's catalog, you now have an elite critically acclaimed show that you can very, very, very easily argue has never had a down season. You know, mm. I love The Wired. To me, that's probably the best drama of all time. 
well, you know, wow. season two with the docs. I've you still know, never seen it. It's great, man. Like the Sopranos, like those, those, um, co- you know, coma visions, extremely divisive. There's a lot of people who liked them. A lot of people who think they're great. The coma was one of my favorite ones, but that's, a, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, the, but, but pretty much every show. Kevin after- Finnerty shout out. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much every show that you would have in that Pantheon conversation, pretty much everyone has at least one season where most fans agree, okay, maybe that's a little slight downturn, if not outright bad, like a Game of Thrones with with two and a half or so bad seasons. Succession doesn't really have that. I I think that's pretty incredible. So I I think if you look at like HBO's library, it's, you know, Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, The Wire, succession you know you know in some order i i think it, it's probably on that same tier again i'm not going to put it on my top five but i think when all is said and done this is an elite 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 show how are you feeling about season four in the context of the show as a whole because final seasons are hard as a fan of lost and various more shows now you know i i think season four is still really working overall i think same. removing logan in, in episode three was was a masterstroke but has naturally left a vacuum in terms of, okay, what's not necessarily antagonist, but this unifying gravitational force, like Matson has not been able to step into that role. Because they haven't let him. Yeah, that, that's all true. So I think maybe some momentum is left out, but I still love that decision and still think they've handled the wake of that, no, no pun intended to his death, really, really well, because it's, it's then doubled down on how business is just a mirror for their relationships and and the damage that's been wrought on them over their lives and what that's resulted in as humans in the in the present yeah i'm on the same page i actually think season four it's hard for me because now succession is succession right whereas and we talk about the confirmation bias of pop culture right succession is now succession so you go into season four it's like this is the best show of all time how do you remove yourself from those hopes but I actually think what is what is gate what has given this show such a momentum kick in the ass towards the end here is its structure and that it's playing out a day in the life. Yeah, so it's yeah. taken this grand series about the machinations of American capitalism and blah 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 and zoned it the fuck in on here's the week and a half in the life of America's most influential and combustible. It's a great point. Family. I think as a result, you could point to each episode and be like the Logan death, the wake, the funeral, the election. And when you could shorthand episode names for an entire season, that to me is the definition of iconic. Friends did it as a whole bit, right? The one with the blah. When you're able to naturally generate that, I mean... It was it was smart to revolve season four around. Okay, here are four central events that are going to be catalysts for major, major, major character shakeups and and not so much development, but perhaps securing their fates to a degree. So on that note, what has been your favorite episode of the season so far? I know there's going to be a lot of shouts for the one that Logan died. I know there's going to be a lot of shouts for the funeral. I'm sure once the finale airs. That will be one, too. I think underratedly, the one after Logan dies, The Wake, which, again, does that Game of Thrones thing where all the characters were spread out and then they suck them back in and 
brought him into one room. The wake, they're all trading barbs. And then the funeral is the same thing in both a lesser extent in terms of less characters are given the spotlight, but a greater extent to they're given deeper and more things to say. So that's why I am leaning towards the funeral because it also has my favorite moment of the season so far, which we will touch on in a bit. So what was your favorite episode so far this season? I think I got to go with two answers. One's the basic one, Logan's death, because as it's been, you know, covered to death in, 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 in the media, it is essentially a play that plays out uh, via television. It was, even though they had hinted it and laid the breadcrumbs, it still was very surprising to see them get rid of Logan this early. The whole time too, no matter how convincing it is, you're still thinking like, is Logan dead? Like, is he going to pop back up? Like what's happening? Uh, I think the way that they let the shock and pre-grief kind of settle in in waves across the characters is really well done. And then my other answer is probably the election episode because at, at its heart, Succession is not a drama. It is a comedy. And Tom convincing uh, Greg to do more cocaine with him by calling him racist is just comedic genius. Jesse Armstrong in that writer's room, you know, they, them, Deadwood and Veep have a Shakespearean command of vulgarity that is unmatched in 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 literature and and pop culture in the last like 30 years it's unbelievable if we're going to call out specific lines i just want to call out the scars guard line this week of comparing america's democracy to botswana's just an unbelievable fucking dagger he's like yeah you guys have been a democracy for 50 years so you're almost as old as botswana's which is just fucking i, I also got to say scars guard's a guy who I've never thought was a very good actor. I always thought he got roles like way above his pay grade. Former guest on this show, man. Have you seen The Northman, bro? I still haven't seen The Northman, but I would say he's giving my favorite performance of his entire career as Madsen. That guy is so skin-crawlingly fucking weird and eccentric. It's brilliant. If you watch that film and now with the context of this role, you'll be like, oh, this guy's got it. Yeah, he, he absolutely okay. has got it. Yeah, I got yeah. I gotta go back to it. Something Bro, I, I told him he turned into a fucking animal in that film. Like I have lost my nerves for these things a long time ago, but how purely ferocious and intimidating he was, I was legit scared to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, straight up. You know, I've talked to The Rock, Matt that? Damon, whoever. This I was like, dude, this is this guy scared the shit out of me. All right, so. I want to talk about the most surprising, shocking moment of the season so far, not counting Logan dying off screen, which I think is the perfect litmus test for whether or not you understand good TV and sort of what Logan dying off screen facilitated for the anxiety that you felt when you watched that. Like if you felt, oh, I would like to see him have a heart attack on screen. You missed the point of the whole thing. For Sorry, me, just quickly, um, film crit Hulk. Do you ever read him? I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a you know, really, really smart guy. He once told me that a, a good writer, like commentator, helps viewers understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And I think you just kind of, you did that very well just now. You just nailed that. Yeah, because what you want, thanks, B. Because what that is, is you want answers. You want to know, is he really dead? Am I being tricked? So the anxiety all played into that. So I understand that that's probably the most, quote unquote, shocking, surprising. And then I also understand that what I'm about to say is probably the next most, quote unquote, normie response. But for me, it's them tipping the election to the extent that they did. Because other than like characters dying and who's going to win, 
that's effectively the dramatic plotting crescendo of the series, right? Like that's what this all has been building to, right? The the Roy family influencing American democracy as we know it. And I'm not sure I ever saw it coming in this form. I know that they had been teasing the fact that there is a election in the background via Connor's participation in it, but I really never saw virtually Roman and Logan, uh, Kendall having the final say. I mean, you know, Logan's death is is obviously the the easy one. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I mean, it's not necessarily I don't think that succession does necessarily shock on on purpose. I think it's always a natural, very organic conclusion. So also to that point, another one that I have is when Tom when Shiv tells Tom that she's pregnant and he's like, is this a move? So I get your point. Yeah, exactly. So, so my two that that just came to mind is like Shiv being pregnant. That's not shocking given everything that they they the groundwork that they laid for complicated uh, conversations with her mother and her relationships there. But it is a a somewhat depressing note because she's not really capable of change. Or uh, then we have we have Roman, who since being CEO has become the absolute worst. He was that, and that's the most predictable progression for him. But also over the last season, season and a half, you saw moments where you thought, okay, Roman's slightly making progress towards being a, a, a modicum of a better person. But now it's all, you know, completely fallen back. And then you have Kendall, who, who has had multiple opportunities to escape this family, escape this life, and who the showrunners have essentially, uh, or who Adam McKay, who executive produces, has essentially said, the whole show is really about uh, uh, Kendall's soul. His soul's in the balance. But Every time hmm. he's at I the did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. I mean, that's obviously clear, but for the creator to explicitly state it in that sense shows you where his heart and mind is at. Yeah. Well, Adam McKay said and Jesse Armstrong is the creator, but obviously they're working, you know, pretty. Oh, oh. So Kendall's the one who's always shown the most aptitude for humanity. You know, he's had the most sympathy uh, of all. And every time he's at the precipice of a positive change, he throws it all away. And we, we see that almost every single episode this season. So again, none of it is shocking, but they are all potent, you know, thoughtful, considerate moments that really align with the characters that have been sketched out here. All right. So we're going from the most shocking moment of the season to your favorite. For me, it is Ewan's eulogy of his brother. I tweeted this before the season started. The one thing I needed was another Ewan, and I also tweeted Marsha face off with Logan because I felt that those were the only two characters that really never backed down to him and could really check him and could really rock his knees and make him sway. And while we didn't quite get a face off between the two, I think a fucking eulogy in which a he delivers a beautiful sort of summation of Logan's past also shits on him and also literally fights physically fights off the family to give said speech counts as sort of a face-off. So, and the reason that this was so great to me is, A, James Cromwell is a veteran of veterans, man. This guy has been around for 50 years, and he has been fantastic every time he's popped up on screen. For all 50 of those years, he's been like 75. Exactly, exactly. It's the same thing with Ed Harris, who's only yeah. in like his early 70s or something. And from Jersey, not from Texas. The most Texan guy you'd ever see. I mean, it's the um, same thing with Kevin Costner and Jeff Bridges, like from L.A., but have become the go-to southern. Well, but L.A., if you drive a bit south, you know, there's some desert land down Dude, there. But It's L.A. Yeah, yeah. You can't, 
can't tell me this Montana guy, Rancher, is, you know. I, I know, I know, I know. The reason that that speech is so powerful is because nothing changed, right? He had been doing that his entire, literally his entire life, speaking truth to Logan's insidious power. And he wasn't prepared to let Logan's death stop him from doing that. And it wasn't acidic and vengeful, but it was genuinely mournful and regretful of both his brother's literal passing, but also what his life was. So for me, and the the series finale would have to do something grand to top that, because to me, I think that that was the perfect sort of mixture of acting talent, what succession succeeds at writing, but also it doesn't have the crutch of it being the main character, right? Of course, Kendall's speech was a showstopper. There's no doubt. But the fact that they could bring this guy out of the fucking boondocks and have him deliver this powerhouse speech. I mean, that is what the show is to me. It's, it's a relief pitcher coming on in the, in the eighth and striking out the side, you know, it's, yeah. it was great. Um, yeah. I don't think this is my favorite moment necessarily, but one that I think encapsulates all the damage and deep seated insecurities and, and all the consequences of being raised in transactional relationships it's when all three siblings are, are together and, and Roman, as uncomfortable as I've ever seen a human being, just goes, should we do the, the huggy thing? And then does the most awkward, like triple, you know, three people side hug I've ever seen in my life. And again, yeah, yeah it's, it's not like this, this big explosive moment, but it says everything about these characters. All right. With one episode to go, who do you find yourself, quote unquote, rooting for or against me? Four, I am rooting for Kendall just because I'm a sucker for the quote-unquote complicated man anti-hero. I always find that I root for them. I'm not going to stop now. B for me is Matson because I just love Skarsgård as a performer. In terms of rooting against Roman, because frankly, I've always hated the character. And I actually think that Culkin's performance, given the fucking praise it gets, is a bit overrated in the macro sense. Because he's clearly using a lot of his regular personality in Roman. And then Mencken, because he seems like the succession version of Mephisto. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely rooting for the American people within the succession universe because they are getting screwed every which way. And I'm rooting against all of the siblings because they're horrible. And this show... I think is purposefully designed an ensemble cast in which you hate everybody very intentionally. None of them are redeemable to me. I'm also rooting for some of that Roy family billionaire found, you know, funds to make its way into Brandon Katz's bank bank account somehow. Trickle down predictions for the finale. You don't have to drill down too deep. I always thought that the most amusing take out there that Greg would somehow rise to be named CEO, but now I actually think it's coming into play because Matson told Shiv that Mencken is down for an American CEO because things never work out for the Roy trio and because Shiv's general haphazardness in the way she wheels and deals, you get the feeling that Lucas wants to cut her loose first chance he gets. He also has grown to like Greg as evidenced by him saying to him in like the typical bully who used to pick on kid who now likes said kid. Hey, sexy, like there are actual avenues in which Greg ascends to not quite winning because I don't think anyone is going to quote unquote win. But in terms of if ending Greg is the CEO, that's a win. That's a yeah. bold face victory. So I don't think that that's 
I'm not predicting that, but that is what I think would be like a truly hilarious outcome. And and because he didn't do it through fan service, he actually figured out a way to make it make sense. I I would love that. And I I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think one of two things is going to happen in the end. Number one, the Gojo deal goes through. The kids lose Waystar. And despite having tens of billions of dollars, they are no longer connected to their father. They're no longer connected to their legacy. They are no longer in charge of anything. And despite the fact that they can, they have all this money to invest and create anything new, they aren't capable of creating anything new. And and unfettered from, from what their father built, they have absolutely no identity and no ability to be happy. So that's that's number one. And both of these uh, kind of have a, a thematic through line. Number two is that Kendall does figure out a way to stop the deal, push out both Shiv and Roy, and is the CEO of Waystar, but in stopping the deal has essentially mm-hmm. sentenced Waystar to a long, slow death because it can't you know, compete in this kind of modern world. And so he will be you know, the, the, the captain of a sinking ship and again, find himself empty and, and without any real purpose or, or meaning as a result. And in both of these scenarios, it's like the most explosive, non-explosive thing. Right. Nothing. Crazy and that is happens. the show, right? That, that is the show. No one's really dying. It's really going the course of, of which it's already been set. And yet it's so absolutely in line with the trajectories these characters have always been on. And then finally, I want to tie a bow here. I put this out in a tweet. Are either Kendall or Logan Roy in the conversation with the GOAT TV characters of all time, which I think is a separate conversation from whether or not the show is? I, I think like Logan's one of the, the greatest characters of all time. I don't know. I don't think either of them are like number one. But, but I, do I you think, think that they're in the conversation? I, I think they're in the conversation. If you were saying, I'm going to rank like the 50 best you know, characters, like I would, I would put Logan in, in probably, you know, off the top of my head because I don't, I don't have a list in front of me. I could see absolutely Logan being on like Rolling Stones top twenty, you know, or something like that. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. I, I just, I just don't know if either. I think if they were combined into one, right, it'd be a no brainer. But because they've sort of been split into two personalities, I don't think it's quite there. Kendall's All right, aestheticness doesn't get him over the finish line. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. Make sure to follow my buddy Brandon at great underscore Catsby and Cade at Cade underscore Onder. Myself at Eric underscore Ital and the podcast at Postcred Pod. Also follow us on TikTok. I'm trying to push that a bit more. That is also at Postcred Pod. We will see you all in the next few weeks. June is full of films. We've got The Flash. And we've got Extraction 2 in the next few weeks specifically. I have an interview with director Sam Hargrave coming out, so keep your eyes peeled for that. All right, y'all. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 